Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. My name is Dan. Today we've got a bonus episode. The episode's called Minnesota Twins, Unpacking the Confusing Offseason. Confusing Offseason. So what we had when the Twins finished, they won the division, they went to the playoffs, they did very well. The offseason began and there was almost, I would call it, turmoil from the beginning. And things didn't help when various writers and authors and articles and press all came out what I think was a very negative campaign this offseason uh, that was very pessimistic. And it confused a lot of the, the, the fans, the normal, the everyday fan was, I think, confused because it was never really laid out correctly what the Twins were doing in the offseason. This episode is here to clean that up, to unpack it. We'll go through it step by step uh, and, and create some clarity on the Twins offseason. It wasn't as bad as people thought. It wasn't as pessimistic. It was very good. I think it just needs to be outlined in a way that everyone can grasp and comprehend. Here we go. What happened back in November was this. The Twins confirm a payroll reduction is coming. And so that's just the key word there is just a payroll reduction. And they're keeping in mind here, this article here by Joe Nelson, the Twins set a team record by spending $156 million on payroll in 2023. So that's a, that's a key point. Record. $156 million on payroll was a record. Now, we hear a lot on the, in the press and the articles and on forums about the unwillingness for the Polad family to open the purse strings or the pocketbook to bring in some talent. Um, they've done that, and the evidence here is clear. They have made big payments, brought in some big players, and made big, huge contracts. Now, the offset of that is, are we the same as the Yet Yankees or the Mets? You know, teams like that, that repeatedly every offseason get the checkbook and the pocketbook out and write check, 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 checks to bring in all these big players. No, that doesn't work. Now, that's also not the business model the Twins have. So we can't compare ourselves to those teams that are bringing in all these expensive players. So I'm not necessarily taking the Polad's side or the business side of the Twins. I have no connection to the Minnesota Twins or the front office, but this is just my opinion on what we need to do to kind of clear the air on all this. Number one, fact. We had a record payroll last year. Now, the Twins have a $200 million shortstop, $100 million off injured center fielder, and a $73 million ace. All signs point to them not adding another expensive player. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. That's a fair enough statement. Now, Major League Baseball's GM meetings this week. Now, this was early November. You know, the season just ended. Delivered a cold blow to the Twins fans with word from Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey that the Twins payroll will be reduced after spending a team record 156. I don't know how that's a cold blow, I'm not sure that what Derek Felvey said was, was incorrect. 
but they did spend a record in 2023, and the payroll payroll will be reduced in 2024. Now, here's what came out during the off-season. I tried to make a point of watching the off-season various news outlets and Twins fans' outlets just to see what the what the the sentiment was. And here it was. Joe Polat confirms Twins won't spend money to try to win a World Series. Well, this, this is a... This headline here by Josh Hill is very misleading. Won't spend money to try to win a World Series? I don't think anyone said that. I don't think that was ever the case. We won the division last year. More than likely will this year. And have a better team this year. I, I don't... I'm not sure. The Polads finally said that quiet part out loud. Um, once again, not a fan. or not, I'm not positive or negative on the Polad family. I'm just speaking as an outsider. I don't think the Polads ever said anything about that. So it, it's, it causes... What it does is cause confusion for the everyday fan that reads things like this because over the course of the offseason, they start believing it. Right? Another article. Dan Hayes goes and interviews Carlos Correa. What do you think the Twins will do? Can we win despite, quote, a large payroll reduction? I don't, I don't think anywhere anyone said there was a large payroll reduction. But Correa says, I trust in this group. Fair enough. I can see that. I guess I'm not sure why the need to interview Carlos Correa by Dan Hayes to say, can you still win? Once again, we're projected to win the Central, more than likely will, and I think we're the fifth or sixth odds-on favorite right now of all the major league teams to go to the World Series. So it's you're it's two different. You're sending two different messages. Sounds very it's very very negative, very pessimistic. Now check this. Aaron Gleeman's a good one. Very comical in many ways. Here he says, Twins inactive offseason is in danger of squandering last season's momentum. Now, Mr. Gleeman, he writes for The Athletic, and this is uh, <laughs> one of the worst off-seasons I've ever had was reading these types of articles. Inactive offseason. Was it supposed to be an active offseason? Now it's danger squandering the momentum. Momentum is good. Momentum is great. The Twins have, quote, he goes on to write here, the Twins have, quote, done nothing this offseason. Shedding talent and slashing payroll. Well, that's not what the poll had said. Payroll will be less this year. Payroll will be less. Remember, the expensive players we have namely in the photo right there, Sonny Gray, the folks that left had huge salaries attached to them. So by leaving, your payroll will be coming down. Twins are going to be promoting from within to rise people up and give promotions to make the squad, in, in several instances, players that we've been waiting for to come up are finally going to be here. So it should be an exciting time. There shouldn't have been many moves this offseason. You've got a good roster. It should be left alone for the most part.
but it causes confusion when Mr. Cody Christie writes the Twins should be embarrassed by being outspent by the Royals. So the off-season goal is not to spend. Many people think mm. here, off-season, you get the checkbook out and you write checks, and if you don't, that's a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It could be viewed as a bad thing. But with all of these writers writing negative, pessimistic things, I now have got to do this show to set the record straight to just show both sides of the story. Yes, the payroll will be less. Now let's take a look at this. Here's the last five years. Last five years of payroll for the Minnesota Twins. Player payroll in millions. 2020 was the COVID year, but we've been hovering at 127, 123. In the 120s until 2022, jumped up to 150. Then we broke that record as 156. Now, part of the confusion, I think, is when we broke the record is that the Twins fans thought we'd be keeping pace with that, keeping pace with that. And I view that as an outlier. The players brought in were extremely expensive. The deals we signed were extremely expensive. But in the big scheme of things, those are all outliers. Those are not things that are going to be happening every year going forward. Right now, the projection's about 120. I think that's fair. $120 million. Remember, a lot of the big salaries left are gone or traded away. And in return, we've got value. We've got value players. Not necessarily inexpensive or cheap, but value deals that's going to put the contract this year, the player payroll at about 120. And once again, that's not a bad thing. It could be viewed as bad. You can interpret that as bad. But is it? The big thing that I saw on the offseason hot stove this offseason for Minnesota Twins fans is the confusion between free agent signing versus player trades. The two are not the same. The two are completely different. From a business financial standpoint, they're also very different. Free agent signing is when you have extra cash. You've got the checkbook open to write checks and bring guys in. That's assuming you've got roster spots to do that. Or if you're going to bring someone in, that someone now has to leave or get cut or get demoted. The Twins weren't in that arena this year. In the past, they have. But in this particular offseason for the Minnesota Twins, they were not in the free agent signing bucket. They didn't have extra cash. They didn't have room on the roster. And so we were never, the Twins were really never in that arena. Now, to bring up the concept of the television deal, that was really going to hurt the revenue and, and cut back. And we were, it was a lot of unknowns. That's all fair enough. That's all fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to touch on that here today. Uh, but I, I just want to press on the point that the Twins weren't cutting the budget. They weren't slashing the budget. The people that left were expensive. The people coming on were inexpensive or, in other words, less expensive. Net-net, all things being equal, our salary expense for payroll this year will be less. Now, player trade, you can acquire players in a player trade when the following conditions are met. You've got extra players on your roster that you don't necessarily need. 
Not that you're trying to get rid of them, but you have extra. It's like holding extra cards in a uh, in playing cards. You've got some, you've got some <laughs> good things um, that you can sit on. Free agent signing once again. You need to jump at the chance and jump in quickly on a free agent before the back-and-forth battle, signing battle war begins and the price gets really outrageous. Player trade. Your goal on a player trade is to be hesitant and wait for clubs coming to you to say, hey, I need player X. I need player Y. So now you're in a mode, which the Twins were off-season, that of, of being hesitant and being patient to wait for a team to come and say, hey, I need Jorge Polanco. Hey, I need Max Kepler. Those are the two players the Twins had on the trade block. Both are around $10 million as well. Twins already had players coming up that are going to take their spots. We don't need them. We don't need the players. That's not saying the players are bad. That's not saying the players, the team doesn't want them. For $10 million, we have more value in our organization, valuable players that are less expensive, that can do the same work. So Polanco and Kepler, $10 million each, there's $20 million right there that we didn't need. We could bring in, in the form of a trade, prospects, minor leaguers, major leaguers, combination of both, whole sort of things that we can get in return. Both of these players, Kepler and Polanco, would bring multiple players in return, not one-for-one, one, not a one-for-one one deal, not just an exchange, but extra guys. More than likely, an average, let, let's say you get three, a starter, a top prospect, and a minor leaguer, all for someone that you're not going to be needing or using anyway, in exchange for a $10 million expenditure going out the door for guys that are less expensive, not cheaper, but less expensive and more of them. So that's what the Twins were in this year. The Twins offseason was all focused on player trades. Who can we get? Now, when you're sitting on this trump card, you're sitting on two trump cards right here that you have the advantage on. You do not want to be going and announcing and yelling from the rooftops that you have these players to get rid of that you no longer need. This, the potential suitors are going to see that and then hold off knowing that you're trying to sell quickly. You're urgent. You're urgently trying to sell. Well, then they're going to wait back until there's a demand. So, Twins sat back. They finally got a deal at the end of this uh, offseason for Polanco. Nothing happened with Kepler. But in the offseason, no one's getting hurt. No one's getting injured. So when spring training starts, or the regular season starts, and some team that's a contender loses their everyday right fielder is when the trade is going to come up for a guy like Kepler. A team is going to immediately need that trade. That's when you pull the trigger. Everyone's healthy on all the teams. There is no right field need right now. There is no one looking for a guy like Kepler. So the Twins, in my belief, are doing the right job and being patient. Being patient. Let it sit. We can go into spring training with Kepler. That's fine. We don't need him. We've got outfielders. Maybe we start the season. 
But now you're sitting on the luxury of being able to pull a trade off later on. Now keep in mind, the Twins organization take very good pride on this slide here. On the amateur draft, they're one of the best at international free agent signings. Their farm system as a whole. And a big thing here that gets left out is the chemistry and cohesiveness in the clubhouse. Just because you sign, let's say you're the Mets or the Yankees, and you write a big check five or six times during the offseason bringing in these big-name players, big splashy names, fun, fun stuff that makes the news. That does not mean they're going to fit in well in the clubhouse. We remember this, the Mets last year when they spent a quarter, three quarters of a billion dollars on offseason signings. They didn't even make the playoffs. Some teams are good at that. Some teams don't mind doing that. Twins are not one of those. They're not going to take a chance and sign many multi-players for multi-hundreds of million dollars of deals to get them in there to win right now. So the Twins are all about the chemistry. Baseball is one of the, one of the sports that the most important thing on it, chemistry, is the dugout, the clubhouse, and how the guys interact with each other through the course, the long course of a 162-game season. You have to have guys that get along, guys that know their role, know their part, know what they need to do and what they don't need to do. Not just bringing guys in because it's the uh, it's a sexy thing to do. So the Twins don't have that. So once, I think if these writers would focus more on things like this, the average Twins fan wouldn't be so confused when they understand. They would understand it better when you see both sides of the story. And I think some of these writers, it's good to get a point of view of the Twins had a negative postseason, offseason. Fine, you can, you can write that. Uh, if there was a handful of writers for the Minnesota Twins in the offseason that says, hey, we had a good offseason. It was positive. It was optimistic. Then the Twins fans sitting on the sidelines can make an informed choice of what they choose to believe or what kind of opinion they want to take. This offseason, everything was negative and everything was positive. So the Twins fans sitting on the sideline is left with nothing else to do but then to believe it without ever getting the other side of the story, effectively being brainwashed. Because all they're knowing now is to parrot what everyone's been talking about and to get the same talking points. They're all parroting each other. We're not getting the truth. So the Twins are very focused on this, very well known for their international free agents, very good draft, which means the Twins have big guys coming up, guys getting promoted coming up through the farm system that we're looking, looking to bring up, looking to promote. That doesn't get brought up a lot. Now, it's fair enough. Let's go to decisions. Twins brass, twins ownership, twins GM, general manager. Have they made good decisions? Have they made bad decisions? Have they made decisions that are average? I don't know. Everyone can take their opinion on this. But keep in mind, Carl, Kyle Farmer was signed. $6.6 million we're going to spend on him this year. We brought him in when Carlos Correa says he was not coming back for the Twins in 2020. Three to be our everyday shortstop. Good decision at the time to sign Kyle Farmer. 
The problem is, months later, we did end up signing Carlos Correa for big dollars. And I mean big. Those of you saying the Polads do not open their wallet and their checkbook to sign players, keep in mind what Carlos Correa was signed as. Is that a good decision? I think that's fair. I think that's average. But now you got the problem of Kyle Farmer on your roster for 6.6 as a backup. Which one could argue is a poor decision, is a backup, is a bad decision, is a negative. Well, he's a very highly paid utility man now. But fair enough, we'll leave it alone. Byron Buxton. Twins owners signed him big, big dollars, multi-year deal. Didn't turn out, it didn't didn't pan out. One could argue that's a bad decision. The problem is, it isn't going away. You can talk all you want of Byron Buxton not hitting, getting hurt, getting injured. But the fact of the matter is, Byron Buxton is a twin for the next five or six seasons. At big, big dollars. You can't have him sit the bench. You can't have him be a DH. That didn't work. So now he's back in center field. What other option would you do? What else are you going to do with him? Can't trade him. Can't cut him. He has to play center field. So I read online, the last four weeks, a lot of fans are saying, go back out and get Michael A. Taylor. Sign him. Think about it. What's Taylor going to do? Sit the bench? He's not going to sit the bench. If, he, if he's playing, then Buxton's sitting the bench. You can't have them both sit the bench. So why is there even a discussion about Michael A. Taylor that the Twins should open their wallet and sign him? There's no room. Buxton has got to be your center fielder, and I mean everyday center fielder, and I mean play him every day until he eventually gets hurt. Then, and only then, is when you think of going out on a free agent deal and picking someone up. I agree with that. If Buxton gets hurt, Michael A. Taylor is available. You pick him up or you move someone else up or you promote. But the season 2024 is starting. Today, the spring training season begins with a 33-game season that kicks off. And Byron Buxton is 100% healthy. That's a fact. Will he stay healthy? That's a good point. That's fair enough. That's a fair argument. But we don't need to explore options for Byron Buxton in center field right now. Now, we traded for Desclafani. $12 million. He's a $12 million guy. It's a high-end pitching starter. But keep in mind, Twins management ended up only paying him $4 million because the San Francisco Giants have $8 million already into them that's already due that we're going to be getting from them and the Seattle Mariners combined. That, to me, is a value. That, to me, is a good deal. That, to me, is very prudent business decision, bringing in a high-end Desclafani that's worth $12 million. We'll be writing him checks for only $4 million. And remember, he's a one-year guy. One year. He will not be with the team in 2025. So you're plugging a hole. You're plugging a hole. You had a gap. Starting rotation. You have someone in there. Good. Now what I hear on social media is, 
How do we fill Sonny Gray? How do we fill the position for Kenta Maeda? What do we do? The sky is falling. Oh no, what do we do? Keep in mind, Kenta Maeda is in his upper 30s and went 6-8 and eight for us last year. Sonny Gray went 8-8. Eight and eight. I have no problem myself with both of them being gone. Sonny Gray is making big bucks with the Cardinals. Twins have pitching. Twins have starting pitching. We'll get to that later. You're crying about filling a starting spot? You have him. Des Clefani. He's probably going to be a four or five guy. Paying him four million? I'll take that every day of the week. Now, Max Kepler, we talked about him. $10 million. The plan was to trade him. He's expendable. That's a good thing. Max Kepler's a great guy. I think he's a great right fielder and a great hitter. Is he worth $10 million? I don't think so. But you can't cut him. You have to wait to trade him. Christian Vasquez, catcher, signed up to a three-year deal. Was that a good deal? One could argue yes. Vasquez, get some veteran leadership, $10 million. He didn't play a single inning in the playoffs. Now he's basically a backup, but we're still paying him, paying him $10 million. That is not a value position. $10 million for him is not worth $10 million. And we've got him for one more year. So look for him to go. Look for him to go on a trade. Very good catcher, once again. I'm not doubting his talent, but his talent could be used for another team, not as a backup platoon position with the Twins. Now let's go down to Ryan Jeffers. He's being paid $2.3 million. He's our starting catcher and caught every inning of the postseason, every single inning last year in the postseason. Jeffers is a value. Twins ownership, Twins management, Twins GM loves this guy. Very good offensively, very good defensively. And we're paying him 2.3. Look at the difference there. 2.3 to 10. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the total salary, payroll salary for the Minnesota Twins. It doesn't have to be high to equate into being good. It could be value. Randy Dobnik signed a multi-year deal a couple years ago. He's paid $3 million this year. And for the next couple of years, he's going to be our AAA starter. Probably never going to see the big leagues. To me, that's a bad deal. It's a bad decision. At the time, maybe it was perhaps a good decision. But we're paying Randy Dobnik $3 million to be a AAA starter in the rotation for the Saints. That's a poor decision. And he's got about four or five guys to leapfrog over to even make the big leagues. Now we get to Pablo Lopez. $8.2 million. Is that fair? Heck yeah. Pablo Lopez? I'd do that any day of the week, Eight point two to have him be our ace. Great, great decision to bring him in. But keep in mind, the payroll's low this year because... His big money doesn't kick in until 2025. So for the next three years in 25, 26, and 27, 
Lopez is going to be paid $21.7 million each year. $21.7 million. That's going to jack up our payroll once again by not even adding anyone new. Keeping the same staff, our payroll is going to jump up on one player alone from eight to $21 million. This is what the Twins organization in the front office is thinking about when deciding who to get in the offseason and how much to spend. It's this type of thinking and this type of mentality. Lopez is going to be expensive. $65 million in three years, starting in 2025. But we're getting a steal because we're only paying him $8.2 million this year. It's a great, great decision. Great pickup right there. In 25, 26, and 27, he drops into that average. Is he going to be worth that? I don't know. It's probably going to be uh, fair enough. Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock. Starting pitcher for $2.5 million this year. That is a heck of a deal. One heck of a deal for a front, uh, a middle-of-the-line starter who's put in a lot of work, a lot of effort, and has beefed up. This guy's going to be a stud. We're going to be paying him $2.5 million. But for the same guy, in 2025, on his last year of the deal, we're going to pay him seven point five. So once again, a $5 million increase right there. And about 15 for Pablo, you're already at $20 million increase in salary without bringing anyone in next year. So you have to look from a big picture from the big lens. Take a step back and look at the big picture when you see these decisions that are being made. You're thinking in terms of about a five-year window. Five-year window. Now, Justin Topa received him in the trade. We're going to be paying him this year $1.2 million. I'm guessing he's going to be our eighth inning setup guy, one of them. That is a steal. Topa is another stud. So the Twins are going to have him in the eighth inning role, along with Jax. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting. I think that Topa deal is a good decision. If you were to rate each one of these, good, average, or bad, Topa, good. Paddock, good. Lopez, good. Dobnek, bad. Jeffers, good. Vasquez and Kepler, bad. Desclafani, good. Buxton Correa, bad. Farmer, I would say average. Good to bring him in. Great deal at the time. Right now it's bad, so overall, the acquisition of Farmer, I would call it very average. But this is kind of the sum of the things that we hear about in the offseason. Were these guys good decisions? Is the Twins' ownership and management making bad decisions? Are they making good decisions? Are they making average decisions? I don't know. I'm just pointing out the fact that these are talking points. They're not all good decisions. They're not all bad. But the off-season tone by the Twins' writers was everything is negative, everything is pot, everything is pessimistic and negative. Now let's take a look here. 26-man roster. Spring training starts today in earnest. I would say that this would be my starting lineup if the regular season started today. You trim your roster to 26 guys. Here's your positions. All 26. Santana you went after on a one-year deal to play first base. Fair enough. 
Julian second base. Keep in mind, Julian's not a one- or two-year deal. He is a future, the future second baseman for the Minnesota Twins. Very good, very good player. Many are speculating, well, maybe we bring up Brooks Lee, have him play second, and move Julian around. That's where the thinking gets, it gets all messed up, I think. Julian's a second baseman. Don't move him to first. Keep him at second. You got rid of Polanco. You're set. Leave Julian alone for the next five years. He's going to be a stud. Correa's a stud. Shortstop. Way to go. Very good. Played all season last year. Hurt. Injured. 80 to 85%. Now you're going to see Correa at 100%. Should be a fun year to watch. Lewis, Royce Lewis came up as a shortstop, moved over third. He will be your everyday third baseman. Having him for a full season is going to be nothing short of incredible. Lewis, stud. Which leaves two utility infielders. Miranda, who's a third baseman by trade, could also play first. He could platoon at first. He could DH. He could play third. He could fit in wherever. I don't see Miranda sticking around very long. He has the talent to be an everyday third baseman for another team. It's never going to happen for Minnesota, so I don't see him lasting too long. But for now, he could make the opening day roster as a utility guy. Keep in mind, Miranda was hurt last year, too. So the numbers he put up, we see all these poor numbers and poor offensive and poor at hitting the ball and poor average. Miranda was injured. Miranda was hurt. Um, Miranda will do just fine. I do not worry about Jose Miranda. Now we got Farmer, his utility. Can play second, can play third, can play short. Paying him $6.6 million to be a utility. Fair enough. I have no problem with that. Farmer's a veteran, provides veteran leadership. Now we got outfielders. Walder in left. Buxton and Setter, and we already talked about Buxton, and we already talked about Kepler and Wright. There's your everyday starters. Fourth outfielder, Castro. Castro also plays infield. And outfield. And here's where we get into the real question. And this will be my, part of my opinion piece here. D.H. Kirloff. Alex Kirloff came up as a number one draft pick by the Minnesota Twins as an outfielder. Left fielder in particular. My question is this, why isn't he playing in the outfield? They converted him to a first baseman. I believe he's a serviceable first baseman, but Kirloff by nature is an outfielder. Throw him back in the outfield, in left, opinion, piece. Once again, this is my opinion, Kirloff in left, Walner in right, Buxton in center. You don't have a need for Kepler. You don't have a need for Kirloff being a DH. Not a good DH choice. You have outfielders. The Twins have outfielders. The Twins have Austin Martin, we haven't even talked about yet. The Twins have Deshaun Kersey Jr., we haven't talked about. The Twins have Trevor Larnick, who probably won't even make the team. He'll be starting in AAA, and he could be an everyday outfielder in the majors on another team. We've got depth, plenty of depth. Now, 
We also have Emmanuel Rodriguez, but Emmanuel Rodriguez is a couple years away. Not in this year. He's not going to be in the mix this year. But look for him to rise through the minors this year in 2024. Twins also have Walker Jenkins a couple years away. Twins have also have Kalai Rosario. That has done about anything he's done to prove he's ready for the major leagues right now. Twins are set for outfield. Let's move to catching. Jeffers, we talked about. Starter. Vasquez. Great backup. Great platoon. Love this. I don't know of any other major league team that's got the catching backup like these guys here. Twins. Very good. Now we get to the starters. We've got Lopez. We already talked about. Ryan had an off year. Kind of up and down. He should be back. Um, Ryan. Chance to be a stud. Padak. Already know he'll be a stud. Ober. Bailey Ober's a guy, in my mind, in my opinion, is a future 20-game winner for the Twins. Six-foot-nine beast, Ober, tough guy, great pitcher. And you get Desclafani, we talked about him. So you already have five starters. Now you're set. All these guys are going to rack up some quality starts. A lot of innings being eaten up. Not a lot of pay, not a lot of payroll. Very good value for the starting pitchers. Now the relievers. New guy, Jackson. New guy, Stamont. New guy, Lefty, Okert. Then you get Thielbar, Lefty. Griffin Jacks. I like Brock Stewart. Setup guy, eighth inning. I think Topa's going to be your eighth inning setup guy. Duran, you can't get rid of him. So you're set. You're basically set. 26 guys right now. Right there. Pending everyone stays healthy. Pending no intangibles come up. There's always intangibles with baseball. There's always injuries. There's always nicks and scrapes and blown ACLs and whatnot. But there is, I would call it right there, a solid starting opening day lineup for a 90-win season for the Minnesota Twins, winning the Central. Now, the problem with that. That's good. No problems. That's positive. But you always will have injuries. You will have intangibles. You need to have depth. Fair enough. Let's look at the starters. Look at the guys that are not going to make the team for starters this year. Matt Cantorino. He'll start in AA, I believe. So he will not be part of this Saints. Twins have already said specifically, in fact, publicly, that he will be on the big day. He will be in the big leagues in 2024. So look for him to come up and fill a spot. For whom? I don't know. Dobnek. Dobnek will for sure be on the Saints. For what they're paying him, he won't be on the Twins. He's certainly not going to play double A for Wichita. He's got to be with the Saints. Problem solved. Remember, of this list, only five will make the team for the roster for the starters and the minors. Dobnek's one of them. Festa. David Festa. Fall League. Futures guy. Another guy, the Twins say, will be up in 2024. David Festa. He will be in that rotation. So he'll start with the Saints. Gunkel. Another guy we don't hear much about. He will start with the Saints. Hedrick. Brent Hedrick. More than likely will be rotation. I mean, a reliever. More than likely, really. I don't think he'll ever be a starter again. Ronnie Henriquez. 
Ronnie Henriquez came up big time. And the international side of things flew below the radar. More than likely, he'll be moved to reliever. There's not enough room. There's too many guys. Sands, Cole Sands, another starter. I don't see where he's going to fit in at all. Probably a reliever. Varland, Louis Varland, you know, is going to be a starter for the Saints. Should be starting with the Minnesota Twins right now, but basically he's that sixth man, sixth man. One injury, and the Twins starters, Varland will get the call. And I think, too, he will be also in 2025, one of those five for sure. Josh Winder, a starter all his life, along with Simeon Woods Richardson, always been starters. There's no room for these guys. Only five of these guys are going to be the five-man rotation for the Saints. Richardson will be one of them. Richardson probably in his last year. He's, he's got to do something. It's a make-it-or-break-it year for him. Winder and Sands both have another year of options. Varlin, I think, will be on this list. Festa, Dobnek, Gunkel, Henriquez. Be pretty easy. Now, when I'm talking depth, I'm talking depth. Keep in mind, if the Twins write a check and bring in a big-name starter, more of these are going to have to go. And I'm all for it. I'm all for, I'm all for competition in spring training. I'm all for competition to win a starting job and or else getting possibly cut. I'm all about that. Twins have some guys there on this list here that are very good. Let's go to the relievers. Look at the relievers. Here's the list right now that are not going to make the Twins, in my mind, the opening day roster as a relief pitcher, that are probably going to be with the Saints. But only eight of these can make it. So the others will be either moved down to double A or cut outright or traded. So we have Alcala, Alexi, Balazovic, Bushley, Bowman, Boyle, Brigham, Duarte we just signed. Added to the 40-man roster. A couple days later, dropped from the 40-man roster. Duarte is going to be fighting for his life to even get a job with the Saints at this point. Funderbrook, the Twins really like. Many opening day roster projections for the Minnesota Twins include him. I don't see him in the mix, so he's for sure going to be with the Saints. Jensen, um, he's going to be an odd man looking outside on the outside looking in. Lawyerson we've got. McMahon, Moran, Schulfer, Solomon, and Weiss. All these will be competing just to make the Saints. This is already under the assumption none of these guys make the Twins. They're going to be fighting for their lives, not only in spring training here, but with, this, with the Saints start, just to keep a job. Some of these could be moved down to double A. But most of these guys have been around. Most of these guys have been around for a while. So you got a lot of decisions to make in the offseason. A lot of decisions to make in spring training. But the roster for the Minnesota Twins is not as bad or not as negative or pessimistic that they want you to believe. I think there's a lot of talent there, a lot of good guys, a lot of guys that will fit in the Twins organization, the Twins business model, uh, chemistry in the dugout, chemistry in the clubhouse, uh, guys that make the glue come together for the cohesive, co co cohesiveness. So you're not going to be seeing the pole eds 
and the Twins owners and top management, brass, front office folks, signing big name, big splashy players when you don't have a need to. You already have a solid group. You already have the things we need to get by. Be sure to follow us on face, uh, uh, social media on our weekly shows, Andy and I on our weekly sports show, Andy and I on our weekly music show. Here you can follow us on social media for all these things. Once again, this is a bonus episode. Twins unpacking a very confusing offseason. Hopefully this will make sense. Hopefully this will be understanding, basic understanding to, to help placate the normal everyday average Twins fan out there as we gear up for the regular season. Thanks for listening.